Therefore, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I love you. to that day when we will stand face to face with our Savior. Amen? And there'll be peace, ultimately. And the Bible gives us the truth that that will one day happen. That's where we rest our hope. That's not just a speculation. That's not just a good idea. It's not just something we came up with. It is the truth from God's Word that one day we will see Him face to face. Amen? And so, with that confidence, we trust in what the Bible tells us about everything. We stand on it as the word from heaven that gives us the truth that sets men and women, boys and girls, young people free. This truth shows us how to have peace with God. This truth shows us to how to have a marriage that honors God and reflects heaven. This truth shows us how to raise our children so that faith is passed on from one generation to the next. This truth shows us how to walk free from guilt and shame. This truth shows us how to be free from our own grief and sorrows. This truth heals the brokenhearted. And this truth is the truth whether you choose to believe in it or not. It's still the truth. The world likes to say you have your truth, I have my truth, but there is one truth, whether you choose to believe it, accept it or not, but if you choose to believe it, accept it, and walk in obedience to it, then you reap all of the benefits of that truth in your life. Amen? That's what happens. And so once you've tasted that truth, once you've tasted that freedom, you reach a place where you say, there is nothing that's going to keep me from pursuing more of that truth. Because I've tasted of that good truth in Jesus and I want to be even more free. And you determine there is no principality, no power, no thing present, no thing to come, no height, no depth that's going to keep you from knowing more of that truth in Jesus. Amen. This is what we are all about. This is what we pursue. And this truth gives us our strength as believers because this truth settles in deep within us. The Bible says, or Jesus said, my words are spirit and truth. In other words, his truth goes down deep into who we are and it transforms us. And it does something so great within us that regardless of what comes at us from the outside, it does not determine what I am on the inside. Amen? I continue on with who I am in Jesus in spite of what might come against me on the outside. I might be weak on the outside, but oh, you should see me on the inside. I'm strong in Jesus. Amen? 
You might see me attacked from the outside, but you ought to see who stands with me on the inside. Amen? Jesus himself stands with me. You might see me sick sometimes on the outside, but you ought to see how well I am on the inside. Amen? It makes a difference because I am not on the outside what I am on the inside. And when I know what I am on the inside, I can walk through whatever might come my way on the outside. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about this today as we continue this set-free series that the Lord just says, I'm not through yet with, right? It just keeps going. You drove up today and probably saw another banner outside that was going to be the next series, but the Lord said, no, I've got more to do in this set-free series. So today, our message is called, Don't Ever Lose Hearts. Boy, it's easy sometimes to lose heart, to lose the passion, the, the vigor, uh, the vitality, the passion, the purpose, the drive that you've got to walk and stay faithful to the Lord. But the Bible is clear and says to us multiple, multiple times, hundreds of times in the Bible, take courage. Do not lose heart. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Do not fear. All of those are to remind us to not ever lose heart. In spite of what might go on around us, remember who you are on the inside and you are not what is happening to you on the outside. Amen? Turn your Bibles today to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to see what Paul had to say about this subject because he helps us understand how we can get to the place where we do not lose heart. Now, the Bible's clear and Paul was clear. Paul was very honest in this whole letter he writes in 2 Corinthians that in this life, you will face trouble. Paul had come to follow Jesus and Paul faced lots of troubles after he followed Jesus. In fact, he faced troubles because he followed Jesus. He was arrested, he was put in prison, he was pursued, he was persecuted, he was hunted down, he was in shipwrecks. He had all kind of troubles come his way. But Paul in this passage is gonna give us the truth to help us persevere no matter what might come our way. No matter what's on the outside, we're gonna find the strength on the inside to not lose heart. And here's where we start in verse seven. Paul helps us with the truth. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now let's just pause right there for just a moment because Paul, in a very few words, is unlocking a very big truth. He is saying that what we have from heaven the Spirit of God in us who has met us and made us new on the inside, has made you and me new creations on the inside. That is a treasure. That is value. That is gold. That is eternal. That is precious. And this treasure that we have, we have it inside an earthen vessel. Something beautiful inside something weak. Something powerful inside something weak. Something that's a treasure inside something that is actually made from the earth. So, I hope you have a pen and paper. You can follow along. We'll do a little bit of drawing this morning because the Bible presents this idea of... Uh, an outside and an inside just over and over again. We see this idea 
that we are not just a body. We are actually something of greater value that's on the inside. In fact, it uses the word treasure here. We have the Holy Spirit within us and we are not just a Motel 6 for this Spirit of God, but this Spirit has come in and actually become one with your Spirit. You, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, are a new creation. You are not what you were before. But the way Paul describes it here, he paints it in terms of there being a treasure that's on the inside. He paints it as though there is this outer part of who we are, but then there is something else that is this inner part of who we are. That there's two parts of us. And this is a very, very important truth for us as believers to understand. Because sometimes it's easy to think that what I feel on the outside is who I am on the inside. Has that ever happened to you? Where you feel tired, where you feel weak, where you feel beat up, where you feel beat down, and you feel that that is who you are. But you are not. You are a treasure inside an earthen vessel. You are something powerful inside something that's very weak. And you've got to know the difference in these two or the enemy will make you think you are nothing more than this shell of who you have been made on the outside. But that is not true. So I want to break this down and talk about the outer person and the inner person that we are. This is very, very important that we understand this. You're going to see some application today that will help all of us not ever lose hearts. Let's talk about who we are on the, let me use the right color here. Let's do, let's do this. Let's do this for outer. Because on the outside, you and I are like earthen vessels. You and I, the Bible says, are made from the dust of the earth. God formed the bodies that we have from the dust of the earth. And when this body dies, it returns to the dust. This is why we bury someone to return them to the dust from which we came. Believing that there'll be a day God will resurrect even that body and we'll be with him in heaven forever. Amen? For more about that, come back next week. Now, we have this outer body, and the Bible calls it a, a vessel. We know that God created Adam, and then he breathed into him the breath of life, signifying we are someone different outside than we are on the inside. And the Bible uses another term to describe that. It says that we are flesh on the outside. We are frail. We are weak. We are not strong in our flesh because my flesh gets tired from time to time. In fact, I like to take naps. Anybody else like to take a nap? I like to sleep all night long, right? I like to doze off sometimes and my body gets weak and I get hungry sometimes. Amen, anybody? You know, all of that happens. I get tired from working outside sometimes. This is my body on the outside. But who I am on the outside is not always who I am on the inside. This happened when the, the disciples fell asleep in the garden and Jesus said, I get it. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is, it's weak. It's different. And the Bible makes this distinction over and over again. And when you and I are saved, the Bible says that we become a temple of the Holy Spirit 
And therefore, we are to glorify God in our bodies. Okay? But that's, they're two different things. Spirit and body. Now, this outer part of me is not to be my master. It is to actually be the slave to something else. Because the body, the flesh, the outer makes a pretty poor master. That dude is never satisfied. That dude is never happy. That dude can't ever get enough. That dude will make you do wacko things. That dude wants, wants it only for himself. He is the flesh. And this flesh, in fact, it is temporal. In other words, it is only going to last for a time. And then it will have to be resurrected to be something different. Now, this is very important to understand. Let me give you some other descriptions of what our outer person is. Our outer person is weak. You might want to take a picture of this because I'm, I'm not going to hang on this long enough for you to write all this down. So pull your phone out and take a picture. This outer person has ailments. It gets sick from time to time. This outer person is in decline. This body I have is aging. It gets weaker. It doesn't get stronger as much as I might try to help it be stronger. Amen? It resists pain. It doesn't like to be in pain. It'll whine and complain and resist and fight back. It doesn't like to be told what to do. It wants to be coddled. Anybody else have a flesh or body in here that likes to be coddled? Hello. That's all of us. We all do. The outside part of me wants to just take Take it easy, be in comfort, always get its way. It's very self-serving. It wants to be the boss. And it's a very bad boss. It's not ever satisfied. It's easily drawn to temptation. It wants to medicate. It likes to get soothing. It likes to resist what the Spirit of God is doing within me. You know this because anytime the Spirit of God tries to urge you, encourage you to do something, your body resists it. Amen? If you've ever tried to fast, you know what I'm talking about. The first time as a believer I ever tried to fast, I remember it. I mean, I thought, whew, I've gone so long without food. It's just tough. And so all I could think about at the time was not having any food. I just thought, whoa, I've been, this has been so long. I can't wait to finally eat. Has it been an hour yet? That's what it felt like. Because the flesh likes to get its way. It likes to be fed. And if you want to show the difference between your spirit and your flesh, you try to not give it what it wants sometime. That dude will rebel against you, right? But this is why we fast. This is why we pray. This is why we get up when it's hard to get up. Because I can't let my flesh be the master. If I give into it, it will wreck my life. The flesh, this outer person, is actually opposed to God. When you're born again, your spirit is born again. Your flesh is not. It will be in heaven one day. But until then, the Bible says we're to bring our flesh into subjection. We have to tell it who's boss. The inside, it doesn't get to be boss because it's on the outside. Are you with me so far? The world idolizes the flesh. The world thinks or doesn't believe that there is an outer and an inner. The world only believes that I am what I am. 
and the world doesn't believe in a heaven someday. The world says, hey, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. They don't think in terms of a God. They don't think in terms of an eternity. They don't think in terms of truth except their own truth that they think they have. And so this outer person, it has to be brought under subjection and submission. It has to be brought under control. Now, the world today, as I said, does not believe in eternal things, spiritual things. They reject God. They reject the idea of heaven. They reject the idea of truth, singular truth. And they believe that what they are in their body is actually God. They worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, Romans says. And so whatever urge they have, they yield to it. They don't just yield to it. We're in a day and time today where it is lifted up and idolized. And if you try to tell someone that they can't give in to their urge because it's destructive to someone else, they come after you, right? They'll cancel you. They will try to stop you. And so what they need to know is, is that there is a God who loves them. There is a God who has a purpose for them, who has given them a design for their body. And if they wonder what their identity is on the inside, they should look at the way he's made them on the outside because it will tell you what your identity is. If he created you male, you are male. If he created you female, you are female. And he has come to set you free from your guilt and your sin and your shame so that you can know him and so that you will not be a slave to your body's urges. Because people today in the world, they're slaves to themselves. They can't do anything but what they want to do. They have become slaves. What's sad to me is that many churches today have become confused about how to deal with this issue. And so when people are in bondage to their sin, to a lifestyle, to a practice, Many churches have come along and instead of helping people be free from what has enslaved them, they affirm people in their bondage. They encourage them in their sin. They come along and accept them to the point of not helping them be free from what holds them. Now, Let's just go down the path of one of those areas. Let's talk about homosexuality. Is it a sin from the Bible's perspective? Yes. How do you help someone be free from that? That ought to be the question. Do you just say to them, stop that? Has that worked for anybody yet? No. Because what, what they are doing is looking for something on the outside of them to satisfy them because on the inside, they are not at peace. And when you've got a war on the inside and you're not seeking the Lord for that relief and freedom, you will turn to all kind of vices and approaches and medications and relationships and habits on the outside in search of some way to bring relief on the inside. 
It's sad to me. It's going to get real personal here this morning. The gay men that I know have some commonalities. They have in their past some broken relationships with significant male influences in their life. Whether it be father, grandfather, or whatever male influence could have been there to help them and should have been there to help them, there was some break. And because of the wound that's on the inside and no understanding of how to find that wound healed in Jesus, they turn to an outside way to try to find help and healing for that wound. So the church's message today can't just be stop that. The church's message today must be come to Jesus. He understands the deeper wound that has happened inside. The deep, deep hurt that happened to you, the rejection, whatever it was, he meets you there. He loves you and he wants to set you free from the sin, but more importantly, from the wound that you carry. Because as we have seen over and over again here in the last three months, when people are healed from the wound on the inside, outside change starts to happen. And so you can't just rail against the outside if you want people to be free on the inside. Now this is, this is important. There is also another part that God has made us with, it, not just the outside, but an inner part. Paul said we have this treasure, he called it a treasure, in earthen vessels. Here's the vessel, it's weak, it's the flesh, it needs to be the slave and not the master. It's temporal, it's not gonna last forever. But this inner part of us, it is a treasure, he said. It is your spirit. Now I know sometimes the Bible uses the term soul and we might sometimes use the word soul. But here's, here's the way the Bible describes it, is on the inside of you is your spirit. And this is you. This is who you are. You are not just your body. You have within you, you. We know this because when you go to a funeral and someone dies, we say, and you tell your children, that's not them, that's just their body, right? So you and I have at our core, our spirit. And this is the part of us that is born again. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when we talk about a person being born again, we're talking about their inner person 
being redeemed, made new, transformed, born again. This is the inside of who we are. This part of us is intended to be strong and can be. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it says that the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. When the body is weak, the spirit can be strong. It also says in that same verse, but who can bear a broken spirit? Because when this part of someone is broken, when this part of someone is without hope, when this part of a person is carrying the weight of guilt and shame, you can't carry that. It's too much. And this is where Jesus comes to free us. This part of us was meant to be master over the flesh. When Paul talked about bringing his flesh into subjection, he was saying, I'm going to bring every part of who I am on the outside under the leadership of what's on the inside. So that I, this part of me, will drive the ship. If I let my flesh define my day, define my life, I'd be eating Twinkies and Ding Dongs by the truckload. I'd be slurping down whatever drink I wanted. I'd never get up out of my recliner. I wouldn't do anything and expect everybody to do everything for me. Because the flesh is that bad of a master. But the spirit within me, when it is working and I know who I am in Christ, I can say, hold on flesh, you're not driving this boat. The spirit within me is driving this thing. And I am going to seek my God, pray to my God, serve my God, serve other people, sacrifice for him, sacrifice for them, because this is who I really am. This is my identity. Amen? This part of me is eternal. This part of me goes on and on even after I die. This part of me will be in heaven. And this part of me will worship and serve my creator forever. Amen? Now, here's another screen for inner person. You can take a picture of this as well. The inner person is the part of me that's redeemed by faith. My body eventually will be redeemed when it's resurrected to be in heaven, but my spirit is now. My inner person is actually who I am. This is the real me. My inner person is declared holy by God. You say, well, I don't feel very holy. I didn't ask you how you felt. I'm telling you what the Bible has said and what God has said about your spirit. And on the inside, this new man in me has been declared holy and righteous. Had nothing to do with my behavior, my track record, had all to do with faith in Jesus Christ. He is the holy one, but when I receive him, I get every blessing that he has and I become holy in that moment. You did too, you were declared that. In my inner person, I hear and I know God. It's there that I know him. In my inner person is where worship begins. That's why sometimes people will say, even in a church service, I'm worshiping God, but I'm having a hard time moving around this morning. I'm worshiping God, but I just don't lift my hands a whole lot. That's awesome. That's great. That's fine. I will tell you this, that whenever your inner person tells your outer person what to do and your inner person starts telling the outer person how to worship and you get both of them going at the same time, watch out. Amen? 
Amen. The inner person is where I grow in faith. The inner person is what refuses to be enslaved. Oh, don't tell me what to do. Oh, don't tell me, flesh, that you're in charge. I'm in charge because I'm on the inside, a new man in Jesus Christ. The inner person is intimate with God, has been healed from dis-ease of no peace, of all guilt, of all shame. My inner person trusts God. My inner person is actually becoming stronger. You heard the story last week of Teresa sitting right here on stage saying, I'm actually grateful that I have MS. And the fact that I've not been healed is my miracle because she said, I might be in decline on the outside, but you ought to see what's happening on the inside. Amen. It becomes stronger. It is not in decline. My spirit is not getting weaker. My spirit is actually in an upward trajectory focused on heaven. My spirit is one with Jesus and my spirit is greater than my flesh. Now, let's follow Paul because he's going to tell us why God did this. Why would God design us in this way? What is the the science, the biology, the philosophy, the biblical doctrine of why God made us this way? He goes on in our passage, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. So that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. In other words, God made you and me weak on the outside so that when he shows up on the inside, everybody, including you, will know that's God, not them. When you push beyond the bounds of your own physical strength, you'll know that's God, that's not me. When you give beyond what you would naturally give, that's God, that's not me. When I serve, even though I'm tired, that's God, that's not me. When I'm changed in my character and I start becoming patient and passionate and kind and serving, people say, and I say, that's God, not me. There's a reason God made us this way. It goes on. He said, and here's the result. Paul said, I've seen this, and here's what it looks like. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. He said, we've had a lot of things happen to us on the outside, but oh, you ought to see me on the inside. And he goes on and says, we're always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. In other words, in this outer part, man, I'm weak, I'm tired, I want to give up, I want to go home, I don't want to do it anymore, it wants to be served, but on my inside, I am going to give and sacrifice and serve because Mr. Flesh, you're not running this thing. The Spirit of God in my spirit is, and I'm carrying about in me the sacrifice, the death of Jesus, because that's what he did. He laid down his flesh. He yielded his rights. He sacrificed. He endured the cross for us so that we might know it's of God and not of us. He goes on and says, all this that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. There's a reason all this has happened. Now, I want to skip down to verses 16 and 17 because Paul gives us this punch here, this reminder that hits us home today. In verse 16 and 17, it says this, Therefore, 
because of all of this, we do not lose heart. I might be going through a difficulty. I might be going through a struggle. I might be going through some loss. I might be going through some pain. I might be going through some physical ailments. My body might be aging. My body is dying. I'm going through all this pain. But here's the deal. On the inside, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. We don't give up when it gets tough. We keep on moving. We keep on trusting. We don't identify with our urges. We don't give in to our sinful appetites. We don't say, well, I just hate people. That's just who I am. No. We don't just lust and say, well, that's just who I am. We don't hold grudges and say, that's just who I am. No, even in my weakness and my pain and my struggle, I say, I have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. I am not what's happened to me on the outside and you're not gonna get me to stop what I'm doing. Amen. I'm gonna keep on going in my faith. Say what you want, do what you want, turn against me, laugh at me. I'm not giving up in my faith. I'm not giving up in my marriage. I don't care what communication breakdown there is, what hurt there's been, what past there's been. I have been redeemed in Jesus Christ. I am not going to lose heart. I might be in a world today where the church is being persecuted, laughed at, mocked, and the world says that we ought to be the ones who are being deprogrammed. Hello? And I say, give it your best shot. My mind has been renewed in Jesus Christ. You're not changing a thing inside me. Amen? I am not going to lose heart no matter what pressure might come my way. I don't give up on my marriage. I don't give up on my parenting. I don't give up on my grandparenting. I'm called for a purpose. I'm called for a reason. I've got a truth to pass on. I've got love to show. I've got a generation to train up. I am not going to lose heart. I'm not giving up on the promises. I'm not giving up on praying for a wayward family member. God hears my prayer. God is at work. God honors my faith. So I'm not going to stop. I don't care if it's been a month, a year, a decade, two decades, three decades. Pick the number. I will not lose heart because I believe greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I won't give up on resisting sin. I won't give up on reading scripture. I won't give up because I have been bought with a price and I will glorify God in my body. Amen. Now, verse 16 goes on and here's what Paul says. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, though it is in decline, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. I just want to say this right here. Paul is working off of the truth that this does not happen without our choice of faith to make it happen. Don't just sit back and say, oh, God's just doing what he wants to do. I don't have to do anything. You have to trust. You have to seek. You have to believe. You have to obey. We do have to do that. Beyond that, I do trust God. But if you want to be renewed on the inside day by day, you want your inner spirit man to grow, you want to take this treasure to the next level, you want to be really strong in the faith, you want to make sure that your inner is the master and not the outer, you want to make sure that what you have on the inside is growing in faith and strength and trust, then you have to put feet to the path. You have to be intentional. Paul says this, for our light affliction which is but for a moment. 
the pain, the struggle that you're facing, though it be for a moment, he says this, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, not only do I have an inner man and an outer man, not only is this inner man strong because the Spirit of God is within it, not only is the outer man weak because it's just made of flesh, but here's the deal. As a follower of Jesus Christ, whenever you face weakness, pressure, attack, pain, sickness on the outside, and you choose to trust Jesus on the inside, and you seek Jesus on the inside, it is actually building up your inside bigger than it was before, and it's working for a more eternal weight. You're actually becoming stronger on the inside, and people will look at your life and say, wow, how are they doing that? It has to be only the Spirit of God. Praise God. Through that, you'll walk through fire, you'll walk through struggle, you'll walk through pressure, you'll walk through resistance, and you'll come out on the other side saying, the fourth man was with me in the fire. Amen? You'll come out on the other side greater than you were than you walked into that fire. And it'll work a great work in you. It'll set you up for eternity so when you see him face to face, you'll love him more than you ever thought possible because you stayed with him through the fire. It's doing an eternal thing inside you. It's doing a big thing inside you. So let this be our focus. The inside, not the outside. Let this be where we draw our attention to what we're on the inside. This is why we say, I'm not going to be held by bitterness. I'm not going to be held by resentment. I'm not going to be held by lust. I'm not going to be held by greed. I'm not going to be held by my sins. I'm not going to be held by the, the guilt of my past. I'm not going to be held by my sorrows and my grief because Jesus has come to set me free. And we can be free. Wouldn't it be amazing if this message left this room and hit those streets and so that people out there that are stuck in their addictions, lifestyle choices, found hope and freedom on the inside, found healing for the deepest wounds. And it got to the place where we couldn't even hardly continue because there would just be story after story, after story of people who are set free. Amen? This is my passion. This is my prayer. We've heard some powerful stories. I think there's more to come. I know that's what God desires. I know that's what Jesus has called us to be, the church, with that message. Amen? Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, I thank you that you truly sent your son so that you might set the captives free. I pray for those who are held in bondage still to a sin, to a wound, to something deep within that they've yet to find the healing for. I pray, oh spirit, I know you are meeting them there in that place that you would awaken their eyes to see that you are the one who has come to truly set them free. That every bondage and addiction might be broken. That life might come alive. That hope might spring up. 
that sin would be repented of and that there would be more stories of faith and hope in you. I thank you for your truth that you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.